Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. John chapter 7, verse 37, where Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. How many of you are thirsty? Come on, and we are in anyone. So if you're thirsty, you can come to Jesus. And this is my encouragement to you, is you you don't go ahead and, and get your thirst quenched, but you stay thirsty, because if we're thirsty, we'll keep coming, right? And he says this, anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from within, within his heart. We know that that word sometimes is translated belly. Sometimes it says out of your inmost being, but it's the same word in the Greek that's the word womb. So out of the life-giving places of your life shall pour rivers of living water. So many times we talk about the river of God as something we need to get into, but really the river of God is something that should be pouring out of our lives. And so it says this, that when Jesus was speaking of living waters, that he was speaking of what? The Spirit. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't, he wasn't speaking about uh, circumstances changing. No, no, no. He was talking about the river of God pouring out of our life, that we would actually become in a very tangible and real way. We would actually become God's resource on the earth that he poured out of. Come on, are you with me? And so he said, so we talked about this in week one, that when we drink from Jesus, the river takes over. In week two, we talked about how that Jesus doesn't just repair the broken. He actually rebuilds the broken because it takes a rebuilding in, in order for us to contain the supernatural. And then we talked about how rivers move borders and how we need to stay flexible to allow the Holy Spirit to move and enlarge the borders of our heart. And we learned that in, in a week four, that in the river, there is always more in store, that there's always a deeper place. There's always a, a, there's always a further down the river to go. There's always a, a, a greater place to live from. And then last week, we talked about the rivers of God's delight and that God is a God full of delight, that God actually enjoys us. He doesn't just love you because it's his cosmic obligation to love you because God is love. Therefore, he must love. No, no, God loves you because he, he likes you and he delights in you and he rejoices in you and he finds joy in you. And we found that when we find life in that, when we, when we see that God's yes over us is so big, we want to say yes back to God, that we want to have a yes back to God. And one of the things that, we, that and we're going to continue talking on this series today, and we're going to talk about the, the river of peace. We're talking about peace like a river. And one of the things about river, a, a river that you'll learn, if you've ever, how many of y'all have ever been to a river, that you can throw stuff into the river, Right? You just throw whatever. In fact, people throw debris in the river. If you go to the river here in Grand Prairie, you see some people just throw trash in the river, right? You can, you can throw your barbecue grill in the river, and guess what? The river just keeps flowing. It doesn't matter what you throw in the river. The river just keeps on moving. In fact, you could drive an 18-wheeler into a river, and guess what? The river just keeps on flowing. And I want to talk today about peace because sometimes peace doesn't flow like a river from our life. Sometimes we're waiting for peace to happen, right? When this happens in my life, when my job happens, when I get that raise, then I have financial peace. When my spouse starts behaving this way, then we'll have peace in our marriage, right? When everything starts going my way, then I'll have peace. How many know that that is not what peace is? And if those things can stop you from having peace, then you don't have supernatural peace. You just got natural peace. 
And God wants you to have a supernatural peace that flows no matter what is thrown at you. And those things will get swallowed up in the river of God's peace. So peace is not determined by what is happening around me, but by who is within me. See, that's what determines your peace. Your peace is determined because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Your peace is determined because you have the Prince of Peace living in and through your life. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 12 says, Thus thus saith the Lord. Love it when it says, thus saith. Because it doesn't even say saith. But automatically when I see thus, I see saith. That's that, that's that uh, 19, early 1990s in me. When everybody was preaching from the King Jimmy version. All right. For thus saith the Lord, thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her. How I many you know the her is you? You're a her, and if you're in the kingdom, you're a man. Guess what? You are now a woman because you are the bride of Christ. So he says, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse and shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knee as one whose mother comforts. So I will comfort you. We have a, we have a, a little boy up here who's going to be five years old this year. And uh, he's not paying attention to anything that I'm saying. But, but sometimes he gets a little moody and he needs some comfort. Right? And I can comfort him. I can like kind of comfort him. Right, but when he really wants comfort, where does he want to go? He wants to go to mama. He wants, he wants the good comfort. I mean, I'll do sometimes if she's not around. But if she's there and he needs comfort, that's where he goes to get his comfort. And, and the, the uh, prophet is saying here is that we, we come to God like a child who needs comfort. And he says, I will comfort you and I'll bounce you on my knee and I'll take care of you. And you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like the grass, and the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants, and he shall show his indignation against his enemies. Now, it's one thing to be an enemy of a person. It's another thing to be an enemy of God, right? But can I encourage you in this today, that your enemies are God's enemies. Now, when we talk about enemies, we're not talking about the guy at work that gets on your nerves. Come on. We're not talking about a governing official or another nation. No, 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 no. When we talk about enemies, we're talking about the enemies of your soul. Come on. You know the enemies of, their, of your soul, those things like bitterness, right? Those things like frustration, those things like anger, those things like depression, those things like anxiety. These are the enemies of our soul. And this is what he says. He says that he shall show indignation against his enemies. When you make God your God, your enemies become his enemies. When you surrender to his lordship in your life. And I want to talk about that great opponent of peace in our life. That opponent called anxiety. Anybody else in here suffer from anxiety? If you do, you're not alone because the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, there's a mouthful, says that 40 million adults in America suffer from anxiety. 40 million. That's 18%. 18% of Americans suffer from anxiety. I would say that one in five people in this room struggle with what they call the disorder of anxiety. When I first looked at that, I was like, anxiety isn't a disorder. But it is a disorder because you were not created to function 
under anxiety. You were created to have peace. And it is a disorder, and it is a dysfunction in your life. And I believe you can cast that anxiety into the river of God and allow peace to, to rule and reign in your life. Now, now, let me say this about anxiety. Because I think, I think if we're not careful, we, we will label things. Sometimes this is the problem when you, when, you, when you label something and you give it a name, you treat it like a pet. Right? So I had this season a couple of years ago that I went through about nine months of, of a real dark season. And most people would call that depression. But I wasn't going to label it that because I didn't want to have an entitlement to it or I didn't want to be a victim to it. I decided whether I was depressed or not. But I was very, very, very discouraged. But I wasn't going to call it that because I didn't want to come in and now all of a sudden I'm Josh the depressed one. Does that make sense? I want to encourage you. Not that you might not suffer with those things, and a doctor may give you that label, but don't go around giving yourselves labels that you haven't been diagnosed with, right? So I have, I got the, I get these headaches every Sunday for the last two months. I get them every Sunday. Pray for me. We're here this afternoon. If you're thinking about church today, pray for me, because every Sunday for some reason in the last two months I've been getting these crazy headaches. I'm taking stuff; they don't go away. I'm praying; they don't go away. And it'd be easy for me to go. I'm getting migraines. I don't do that. I don't. Are they migraines? I don't know. I don't know what kind of. They're just headaches. They hurt. I don't like it. Sucks. You know. I don't like it. I just don't like it. But I'm not going to label it so I can say, oh, I'm a victim of. Are you with me? So I think we need to be careful with some of these terms and creating it, identifying ourselves with a dysfunction. Come on. You do have some dysfunction in your life. I'm sure you do. You know I do. I'm pretty real about it, and you've spent time with me. So you know. But peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of tension, but contentment in the middle of it. That's what peace is. Peace is says, you know what? It's hard. It's difficult. I'm really struggling with this, but it's okay. Even if I don't get my way, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. So pressure and tension are not disorders. It's life. You experiencing pain is not... It is not necessarily a dysfunction. It's just life. But you can have pain. You can have peace in the midst of it. You can have peace in the midst of your pain. You okay? And so, so be careful not to victimize yourself to the things that are happening around you, because greater is He that is in you. Come on, than He that is in the world. Okay. These are some. But but I also suffer a little bit. Suffer. I'm also anxious at times. I deal with anxiety like many of you. And there's all kinds of anxiety, right? You have things like different kind of phobias where people freak out. Like my phobia, one of my phobias is feet. Like if you get around me and you're wearing sandals or you take your shoes off, I'm going to like make my distance. Like I just kind of have a little bit of a phobia there, right? Some of y'all have stranger things than that. They all think that's so funny, but I'm just telling you, feet are gross. It's just what it is. Even your feet. There's only one person who has pleasant feet. This one right here. That's the only one that could put her feet on me. So, And my kids when they're babies. But once their feet start sweating, it's over. My relationship ends right there. It's over. Your feet are no longer cute. So I don't have any cute feet in my house besides my wife. All right. Phobias. OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, right? We know what that is. Yeah, I, I suffer from that a little bit, right? Suffer. PTSD, very real these are, all, these are all classified as, as uh, anxieties. And then social anxiety, right? We, we have social anxieties. 
I, I, this is one that I really struggle with, social anxiety. Like, I am more comfortable up here on the stage with the microphone talking to you than I will be after service walking around. Not you guys, because I know you. But if I was in a, in a, a church invited me to come speak, I'd be extremely uncomfortable until I got on the microphone. It's weird. It's a dysfunction. I shouldn't feel that way. I should feel totally normal. But I have this weird social anxiety. Pastor Leslie and I, we don't like really go. People are like, you should go to a conference. <laughs> I should go to the woods. <laughs> like, give me a wave. <laughs> and I love people, and I'm extremely extrovert. And I, I love hanging out with people. I love all that. But sometimes I just get overwhelmed socially around people. And then you have this, what I would call spiritual anxiety, which I would like to call worry. Now, how many of y'all ever suffer with worry? No, I'm not a, I'm not a worry wart. That, that wart, wart, worry, worry wart. Well, I'm having a hard time worry wart. But some people are, man. They worry about everything. This is what I found out about worrying is most of the things that you worry about don't happen. Isn't that crazy how worry works? This is the deal with worry. Worry is really bowing to the wrong Lord. Because it's all of a sudden my attention is focused upon the things that I need to be focused on, and it's focused on something that probably won't even happen. And some people, you know, worriers worry about everything, right? They panic about everything. Don't don't send the kids to school, right? Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't go out and eat. You won't have any money. Don't, Don't do this. Don't do that. They're totally limited by their fear. Their fear of lack. And so this spiritual anxiety called worry, this is the deal. Jesus promised in this life that we would have a difficult time. It's a promise, right? It's a promise. He says this, in this world, you will have trouble. We got that? In this world, you will have trouble. That's a, that's a good verse for them to make a Hobby Lobby sign out of, Right? In this world, you will have trouble. Christian t-shirt, in this world, you will have trouble, right? Zero sales. We see the second one all the time. Then he says this. Listen, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. But take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I have overcome all the systems of the world. I've overcome anxiety. I've overcome worry. I've overcome fear. I've overcome spiritual torments. Depression, anxiety in any form, I overcome it all. You're gonna, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, beloved, Jesus is telling his disciples, but take heart. It's going to be okay because I've overcome the world. I've already dealt with it. Take heart, beloved. Take heart. See, my peace is not determined by what is happening around me but by who that is within me. My peace is not determined by what is happening around me, but what is who is living inside of me, who is dwelling in me, the Holy Spirit who's in me. This is why when Jesus said, out of your belly, out of you will flow rivers, and many times you're looking for all the peace to happen outside when all the pieces come together. But Jesus is saying, if you will come to me and you'll drink of this river, peace will actually pour out of your life. You'll become an ambassador of peace. That people that feel in conflict and people that are in trouble, they'll start showing up at your door. And they'll say, I need some help. I know that you're a person of peace. Would you pray for me? Would you believe God? You say, absolutely. And now you're giving peace away. So much peace that it just pours out of your life. So much peace. Everybody say, so much peace. So much peace. Jesus says this. 
John chapter 14, verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, in the Greek, that word is the paraclete or the parakletos, not the parakletos. Always, that's my little joke there. The parakletos, the one who will come alongside of you, who will come along inside of you, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the, tr- the helper, some translations say, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, and he will teach you all things. He knows things that Google don't know. Google will give you information. The Holy Spirit will give you reason. Google will give you knowledge. The Holy Spirit will give you understanding. He'll teach you all things. He'll teach you the things about the things. He'll give you discernment where you don't have discernment. So I tell my kids, when you're taking a test, you pray. Because the Holy Spirit knows the answers. Now, he's going to reward your hard work and studying. But sometimes you studied and, hey, it didn't work. <laughs> so you got to rely on the Holy Spirit, right? And those students are like, that's right, it's true. Revelation, all right? He will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything I have said to you. He will remind you of everything. You ever have those moments where you're, like, in the middle of tension, or you're talking to somebody, and all, the Holy, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gives you a scripture or reminds you of something, you're like, hey, right? And you never even knew. This is what's funny about those situations. You didn't even know you had the scripture memorized until you start talking to somebody. And then it just kind of pours out of you, and you're like, yeah. Come on, come on, Pastor. Right? You're like, you're like, that's pretty good. <laughs> you're walking away. Some of the best messages I've ever got was when I was just ministering to somebody one on one. I'm like, dang, that's good. I'm like writing it down. That's gonna be for Sunday right there. <laughs> Why? Because I am I, it's just pouring out of my life. And so Jesus is saying, I'll remind you of those things. That word remind is is the same word that, that could be likened to the word residue. See, I have a coffee cup sitting in my in my office right now. There's two problems with that. First of all, it's empty. Second of all, it's in my office and not in my hand. Jokes. We got jokes. We got jokes. But there is a little ring at the bottom of that coffee mug, a little brown ring. And it says, coffee has been here. Right? So when Jesus says, I will remind you of everything he said, he said, I will put residue inside of you. You will be carrying the residue of Christ. That, that when you're moving and you're coming and you're going, the residue, the things that I've spoken to you, you're going to know that they were there. Then he says this, peace I leave with you. My peace. Everybody say his peace. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Now what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm talking about a different kind of peace. I'm not talking about what Miss America says when she says world peace. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about that there's no conflict on the earth or there's no conflict in your life. He's talking about a supernatural peace. He's actually talking about peace between man and God. And when you, listen, when you have peace with God and you can rest in that, you'll have peace in every area of your life. And most, most people don't have peace in their life because they don't have Jesus. They may have a form. They may have a religion. They may have superstition. I'm, I'm seeing that right now. There's a lot of people that are super, 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 super serious. I'm sorry. I can't get my words messed up. Superstitious. Superstitious. I'll make words like words. That's our next series, superstitious. It's hard to say. It's a mouthful. Mouthful. Superstitious religious, but they don't really have Jesus. They go to church, they play, they raise their hand, they do the function, but 
but they're empty inside. It's because they haven't made peace with God. So Jesus says, I give you a different kind of peace. It's not the peace like the world gives. It's not like all that, you know, yada, yada. Mm, not, not, not that. It's a different kind of peace. And then he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why is it a different kind of peace? Because it's a peace that goes on no matter what's thrown at it. Whatever is thrown in the river, it just keeps moving. Why? Because it's supernatural. It's a supernatural peace. And let me just suggest this to you about peace is peace should be produced in our lives. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit, not a fruit of the world, not a fruit of the environment, not according to how my job's going or my family's going or my life, my social life, or whether or not I have a boyfriend or girlfriend. No, no, no. Peace is something that comes out of your life. It comes from the inside. It's an inside job. Just like joy, it's an inside job. It's not about what happens out there. I think if I can find peace in here, then I can change the environment of peace out there. But it starts here, not there. And so many of you don't have peace in your life because you're waiting for something to happen. You're waiting for an event. You're waiting for a moment. You're waiting for a raise. You're waiting for a spouse. You're waiting for children, whatever. Well, once this happens, then I'll have peace. No, no, no. You've got to understand the heart of this. It is all an inside job. And once this is established, it pours out into your life. And then people look at you and say, God is a miracle worker. Because you went through all that hell and you're doing well. How did that happen? He said, because it's a river inside of me. It's not because of me. It's because the Holy Spirit is inside of me. And I went to Jesus because I'm so dependent and I'm so needy and it was hard. They said, but you just, you had so much grace through it. How did you have so much grace? It's just because I'm just relying on the Holy Spirit. So how do we allow the flow of peace to happen? How does this happen? How does, how does it happen for peace just to start pouring out of your life? Well, number one, you got to believe the right things. you got to believe the right things. And some of you have a belief system based upon what you were taught or based upon what you think or maybe what the world is saying, but it is not rooted in God and who God says he is. So God wants to f- fix your belief system. Listen, if you get your belief system fixed, it starts fixing everything. Believing, see, believing, it's more than just thinking. We'll talk about thinking in a minute. It's about trusting. See, believing is a position of trust, just like you're believing in that chair right now. You believe it will hold you. I believe it will keep holding you. I don't mean to make you anxious, but here we go. <laughs> believing is a position of trust. First Peter 5.17. Now, this is Peter. Peter's been hanging out with Jesus, remember? He's one of the 12, one of the three, actually. And Peter's there, and he's riding to the church, And he remembers all this stuff, the residue thing. He remembers all this stuff that Jesus said. And he says this, listen, cast. He knew something about casting, right? Because he used to cast nets. He says, cast all your anxiety. Just throw all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Say, Pastor Josh, what does that have to do with my beliefs? It has everything to do because you've got to understand that he cares for you. You've got to understand. See, even before you ever pray, he's thinking about it. The things that are on your heart have already been on his heart. You say, Lord, I'm just so troubled. We go to God like we're complaining. Like, oh, Lord, I'm just so upset, and I can't believe I was done wrong. And he's like, I know. That's why we're here. Let's, let's talk about it. I care for you. I care for the things that you care about. 
I'm troubled by the things that you're troubled about. It's not changing my peace, but I care for you. And when you get that he cares about you, that he loves you, that he adores you, that he wants your well-being, that he's actually good, and he wants to take care of you, when you realize that he's really, really good, and he really does care about you, then you can take those anxieties and go, Lord, you're much more capable of carrying it than me. Here you go. I'm just throwing it in the river. I'm just throwing that frustrating conversation in the river. I'm just throwing my anger in the river. I'm casting it on Jesus. I'm casting my cares on you, Lord, because you care for me. And you carry it better than me. You got this. And I think the Lord is saying to some of you right now who have been troubled by the same thing for months, he's saying this, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it if you just give it to me. I'll be happy to take it. It's my joy to take it. I can carry it. You don't carry it well. But I will. I'll take care of it. I can handle it. Just throw it on me and allow the river to swallow up your worries. See, when we give more attention to worry, frustration, or irritation than focusing on his power, we are giving power to that tension to govern our lives. Let me say that again. I think this will help you. When you give more attention to worry, frustration, or irritation than focusing on his power, then you are giving power or authority to that tension to govern your life. You're saying, you have permission to control me. Worry, you have permission to tell me how to spend my money on whether or not I'm going to be generous or how I'm going to spend my time. Well, if I do that, I won't have any time and I won't have any energy and I'll get more burned out. You're probably already burned out. That's why you're thinking like that. You start seeing yourself as a, as, a, as a wellspring, then maybe you'll start functioning a little bit different and you'll find more joy in life. Believe the right things. Number two is say the right things. You've got to say the right things. Now, get this. We're not talking about like magic potion formulas. Oh, you say the right thing, everything will be okay. God will give you a Cadillac if you just say, no, that's stupid. And materialistic, and ungodly, and envious, and covetousness, and all this kind of garbage. However, it is important that you put a watch over your mouth and you are careful with the things that you say. Stop saying you're fat, or you're ugly, or you're underqualified, or nobody loves me. Stop it. What are you doing? If you are doing that for attention, the only kind of attention you're going to attract is the wrong attention. You don't want that kind of attention because nobody wants to be around you. Everybody wants you to fit you to have the river that flows under them. Quit quit begging for 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 things that, that people can't provide. We do it all the time. We're like, oh see me, no, look at me, look at me, look how awesome I am. Look at, please compliment me. And then tomorrow we get all the compliments, and tomorrow we're like, please compliment me. Where do we live in from? Learn to say the right things. Proverbs 10, 11. <laughs> ha ha. Okay. Slotting it up a little bit. The word, <laughs> I need you to laugh, me. Oh, you got to help me out. <laughs> the words of the godly. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. We'll get sarcastic now. Okay. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Your words are like a life-giving fountain. We know Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Man didn't come up with that. God did. 
Because God showed us that words create worlds. What kind of world are you creating? What kind of environment are you creating with the words that you speak? Because you are creating an environment. Is it an environment of criticism and negativity and frustration and tension? Or are you speaking life and peace and comfort and safety and wholeness and pointing people to Jesus by the words that come out of your mouth? And this is what we say. I'm just venting. I need to talk about this. I'm just venting. So we spend, you know, we've had this happen. Can, can I talk to you about something? We give this to somebody. Yeah, let's talk. Oh, you can't believe so-and-so. They're this. I'm just venting. Listen, it's not about are you venting. You're always venting, by the way. The reality is it's not if you're venting. It's what are you venting. Who are you that is venting that? See, Jesus taught us that, that out of a corrupt heart, good things come out of, bad things come out of our mouth. Out of a, you say, well, they've got a good heart, but they're saying bad stuff all the time. That's not true. That's not according to Jesus. You calling Jesus a liar? Jesus said if the good man brings the good things out of the good that's stored in his heart, you got to store it there. So what's coming out of your mouth? Whatever's in your heart. But I would also suggest this to you, that when you speak, you're contributing to what's in your heart. Because what you speak can ignite and add fuel to the tension, or it can break it. This is what I found. I can do so much more with one word of kindness than I can hours of negative, frustrated talk. And guess who it does the most good for? (laughs) Not the person I'm talking to. It does it for me. When I can humble myself and just take the high road and be kind and just say the right things. See, our mouth is an indicator. But our words also lead our heart. They also lead our heart. So are you speaking like a child of God or simply reflecting a broken world to dictate, allowing it to dictate what you speak? And you watch as your language changes. If you will change the way you talk, you will see the environment of peace start to show up. The, the, most, the, the people that I see live in the most tension, the most frustration, they're always negative. It's negative about everything. It's, oh, I wish, blah, 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 and if I didn't have, and blah, I was in this. If I was raised different, if I had this and I had that. Listen, we understand that's your story. We love you. We want to be compassionate. We want to be tender with that. But you, if you want to see some peace start showing up in your life, you're going to have to change the way you talk. Don't think it's going to change and then I'll change the way I talk. It never changes. That's what I've, that's what I've seen. It just never changes. And you die bitter and old. And no, alone because you've driven everybody away because all you've done is complain your whole life. And I don't want you to be like that. You, don't, you definitely don't want to be that. And God definitely, definitely, definitely doesn't want you to be like that. He wants you to be a life-giving fountain because that's what the godly do, it says. Number three, do the right things. Oh, this one's hard. Do the right things. So we believe the right things, say the right things, and do the right things. Ugh. This is what we do with peace, right? We allow peace to be an indicator of the will of God, right? Well, I don't feel peace about that. I've seen, I've seen especially spirit-filled Christians, which I am one. I just don't feel a peace about that. So I'm not going to do it because I don't feel a peace. Maybe, you're not, maybe you don't need to have peace for it. Maybe, it. maybe you're feeling the tension of the moment, and you need to bring the peace to it. And you don't need to be waiting on some little Holy Spirit cue to give you peace. Scripture doesn't teach us that. Scripture says you will have trouble. You're going to get in trouble. The Holy Spirit's going to get you in trouble. Lots of trouble. It's got a whole lot of people killed. 
So it isn't like, oh, I feel good about that, so yes, it's God. Listen, sometimes the right thing is the hardest thing. In fact, I've found most of the time whenever i got to do the right thing and I, and I don't want to do the right thing because my flesh is like, mm, 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 mm. what I want is I want appeasement to my flesh to feel good about making the wrong decision, oftentimes. So hard decisions aren't comfortable. But let, let me say this. Do the right thing. We're talking about obedience. It's a hard word. Just obey. <laughs> Just line up, right? None of us like being told that. We're fallen nature. We're naturally rebellious. It's like we have a tree of good and evil, right? A tree of knowledge. And we're, and don't eat from that one. And we're like, I want that one, right? For some reason, there is something in our nature to want what does not belong to us. Listen, God isn't requiring obedience for his benefit, but for yours. God wants you to obey him, not because he's like, oh, heaven will be better if you obey. I, I think heaven will be bigger if you obey. But God wants you to obey because it does you good, because he cares for you. Listen, Isaiah forty-eight seventeen. this is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and what leads you along the paths you should follow. Oh! <laughs> love that. I like to add those words on there. Oh! That you had listened to my commands. Then you would have had peace like a gentle river. Oh, if you had just listened to me, if you had just obeyed, then you would have peace. Flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling over you like waves into the sea. This is what happens. We disobey God, then we feel bad about it, then, we're like, then we go to God and we get forgiveness, but we never get free from the shame. And we go, what if I would have obeyed God? What if I would have obeyed God? You're not living at peace anymore, are you? Why? Because you did something stupid, because you disobeyed. See, some of you don't have the peace of God in your life right now because you're living in disobedience, because you have sin in your life. Because God said no and you said yes. And you go, I just want peace. You want, you want God to just come and cover you in peace and bless something that he can't bless. Well, why am I so up and down and in and out? And in and out? Because do, are you obeying the Lord? Uh, well, you know, I just have these areas in my life that I'm working on. Well, get them worked out. And yield them to the cross of Christ and watch peace take over. But stop asking for peace when you're living in sin. The last thing that you want, beloved, the last thing that you want if you're living in sin is peace. It's the last thing that you want. You want the Holy Spirit to say, no, I, don't, I want you to feel tension. I don't like that. Let's get rid of that because I want you to have peace. Real peace. Number four, praying about all things. So we're believing the right things, saying the right things, doing the right things, and praying about all things. How many things? All things. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. I'm anxious about that. <laughs> right? Anybody else? Don't be anxious about anything. Dang it. That makes me anxious. But in everything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and petition. And then he says this, with thanksgiving. 
It's the key right there. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. Here it goes. And then the peace of God that transcends all understanding, that goes beyond understanding. It's incomprehensible. It's crazy peace. You can be like, whoa, I don't have peace. I can't even explain it. I, I don't even understand how much peace I have. That kind of peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Why? What did you do to get there? Well, he tells us right there. Pray. Pray. Petition. Bring your request to God. And then he uses this word, with thanksgiving. So the posture of our prayer is thanksgiving. The posture of our prayer is thanksgiving. It's not begging. The posture of your prayer is not panic. This is what we do. Oh, I'm going to the doctor. Pray for me. Should you do that? Yes. But what I've seen is most people, that's the only time they ever pray. They only pray when they're in panic mode. But that doesn't lead to peace. Prayers filled with thanksgiving are what leads to peace. So we don't pray with a posture of panic. We pray with a posture of praise. We say, God, I thank you that I belong to you, that you care for me, that you love me, that you want me. And, Lord, here I am bringing my needs to you, a kind, generous, benevolent God. I'm coming to you, and I thank you so much for your goodness. And I'm asking, Lord, would you meet these needs in my life? Do you see how that is much more peaceful than, oh, God, what am I going to do? The bills aren't going to get paid. Lord, what's going to happen if my kid doesn't come back from school? What's going to happen if they're five minutes late and the worst thing could have happened? Pray, pray, pray. No matter what, pray. But posture yourself in a position of praise. Give thanks in all circumstances. I think about Brother Sullivan, our the, the man who established the mission in Haiti that we've inherited. And I remember sitting with him six weeks or so ago, hours before he went to be with the Lord. And I remember sitting there with him and him just looking at, up at me and him saying, I said, how you feeling, Papa Sullivan? And he said, I've had better days, he said. But give thanks in all things. I'm like, here you are. You've given your whole life away. Here you are on your deathbed and you're saying, giving thanks in all things. He says, we don't thank God for all things, but in all things we give thanks. And I got to be there those last moments when I saw this lived in action, even on his deathbed. Give thanks in all things. It says, this is the will of God concerning you. You want the will of God? That's the will of God for you to be grateful no matter what you're going through. It's the will of God. Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And then he says this, and the God of peace will be with you. What is he talking about? He's talking about the next point. Think upon the right things. Are you thinking about things that are pure, right, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? Where are you fixing your mind? What are you focused on? What has your attention? What are you giving permission? Let me say this. What are you giving permission to influence your thinking? What has permission in your life? Who are the voices in your life? I mean, we'll, we'll listen to three, 
It's not uncommon for me to listen to three or four hours of podcast today. Commutes and working and all that stuff. Who's speaking into my life? Is it pure? Is it admirable? I wonder why I don't have peace in my life if I'm not listening to stuff that's edifying. If I don't listen to stuff that's glorifying Jesus, if it's just making provision for the flesh. What am I listening to? Am I listening to stuff that's corrupt and immoral? Am I filling my mind? What am I watching on Netflix? Am I continually watching carnal stuff? And then I say, God, I want you to fill me with peace. And he's like, well, I've given you the key. All you have to do is think about things. You need to filter some of that crud out. Some of you will not have any peace until you start changing your diet. And by your diet, I'm not talking about the food that you eat with your mouth, but the food that you eat with your eyes and your ears. You've got to think upon the right things. I can tell you, I, I've been very diligent about this in my life. Very diligent. I haven't been perfect, but I have been diligent about it. And I've noticed that I'm, that I'm a lot more peaceful whenever I'm being careful. And then he, then he uh, in, in Romans chapter 8, it says this. This is the last point, by the way, thinking about the right things. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance to the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. And I love this verbiage. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed, led by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Holy Spirit, the mind governed by the river of God is life and peace. Beloved, he wants you to have peace in your life. He wants you to have a life full of peace, life and peace. How? Allowing the Holy Spirit to govern your life. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. That word peace in the Hebrew language is the word shalom. And the word shalom doesn't mean that it's all good in the hood. The word shalom actually means wholeness. The imagery is of a wall full of bricks, and one of those bricks makes that wall whole. It's seamless. There's no cracks on it. There's no holes. It's just the perfect brick that fits in there. And some of you need the peace of God in your life. That peace fitting into your life, which everything else is established. Without it, everything else will crumble.